The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, July 24th, 2023. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz, and I'm your host. And with me at the board is my friend, my partner, and engineer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. Wow, it's a beautiful, beautiful day in Sonoma County. And I'm so excited this morning. I have joining me in the studio is Kirsten Lang, chair of the Sonoma County National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, NAACP. And I think they go right now by NAACP. You would not necessarily have to have what the, exactly what it means. And we'll be talking about the NAACP, its mission, its goals, and its challenges. And just a little bit of information. The NAACP is one of the oldest organizations in the United States. It actually started in the early 1900s. So we're going to go and do a little bit of history, and I, I'm really excited to have Kirsten here in the studio with me. It's been a long time. I've been bugging her forever. <laughs> Finally, there she is sitting across to me. Well, I want to do a big shout-out for everyone who attended the KBBF 50th anniversary at Bayer Park uh, on Sunday. It was fun for all. The only disappointment I had, I had all these raffle tickets and I didn't win a raffle. But, you know, that's the way it is that people just had so much fun. It was so beautiful seeing some of the young children with their parents, you know, and the love and the caring and the excitement of just being there. It was just wonderful. So thank everybody for showing up. And I want to remind you, you know, we're not finished celebrating our 50th anniversary here at KBBF. We're having another big fundraiser, uh, and that's going to be on August 3rd. It's going to be at the Luther Burbank Center, and it's a ticketed event. We're going to have a dinner, a sit-down dinner, and we are so excited because uh, Majority Leader Mike McGuire is going to be our MC. So if you want to sit next to power, you know, you might come on down. If you go to www.kbbf.org, and you'll see a little sign that says, you know, Get here, and this is for how you can get tickets. You can get your tickets, and also we have tables that we're offering tables if you want to get a group of you. You know, you know, this is a historic moment in our community. Fifty years of the first community radio bilingual station in the United States, right here in Sonoma County. I will be very disappointed if I don't see every elected official at that dinner celebrating this wonderful, wonderful event and the idea that we even have this station here in our our own county. And talking about celebrations, I want to do a special shout out, shout out for uh, Councilman Eddie Alvarez. He always shows up. He always shows up in events. And I just want to say thank you, Eddie. Thank you for being there. Thank you for being such a, such a strong uh, community supporter. I mean, it really is amazing. Well, today is a very interesting day. Because we have a birthday going on and also a celebration. Uh, today, which is, uh, 
What, what date is today? Oh, right. Today's July 24th. It is Amelia Earhart Day. And the day that she was born in 1879, on this day in 1897, Amelia Earhart was one of America's first beloved pioneers in, ev- in ev- aviation. And today on the national, and today is the National Amelia Earhart Day, July 24th. We celebrate her life and achievements. How, you know, while many remember her for her mistakes, mysterious disappearance in her internationally anticipated flight around the world, she had a life filled with achievements and trailblazing. And one of the things that I found was really, really interesting. In 1929, I mean, think about it, women only had just got the vote. And the idea of women in aviation was just, oh my goodness, I mean, it was unbelievable. Well, in 1929, Earhart helped form the 99th, an international nonprofit organization whose mission was to advance women in aviation. Wow. I mean, this woman was really standing alone, and we are standing on her shoulders. You know, the idea that she was had that much courage, the sadness is, of course, is that she was lost, and they really never knew what happened to her. But she did have an impact on history. And then I have another uh, uh, important announcement that I think is I'm really excited about. The Sonoma County Commission on Human Rights has honored Kathleen uh, Finnegan. Kathleen Finnegan was a dear, dear friend of mine. And she was also an activist. Not only was she an activist, but she was a very determined person. Once she got her mind made up to do something, let me tell you something, it was going to happen. Well, the Commission on Human Rights decided to create the Kathleen Finnegan Award to recognize uh, community members for their human rights work. Very, very important. So it's going to be happening tomorrow, July 25th at 530. And that's going to be, let's see, where do they have an address? Huh. Okay. The room is in the county building that houses the Board of Supervisors, but has a separate entrance on the opposite side of the building. I'm not really clear here. They didn't put they didn't put any address down here. But it is at the Board of Supervisors meeting and if you go on uh on their website, I'm sure that you will find the exact address. I'm really sorry about that. I thought I had the I thought I had the right <laughs> the right thing going. Well, Another thing that's happening is we are inviting you to celebrate with us and Senate Majority uh, Mike McGuire on Thursday, August 3rd at the historical event. And it's going to be at the, uh, like I said, at the Luther Burbank Center. If you go on kbbf.org and you'll see there's a spot to to go ahead and to get your tickets. I hope to see the room filled because, you know, it's – Community radio is really very, very interesting. It's not easy. It's not easy to stay on the air. And the fact that we have been able to do it for 50 years, I am so proud of the station. I'm so proud of our board of directors, our, led by our president, Alicia Sanchez, that we've been able. I've been on the air now the second time. This is my second round. The first time I came on was in 1976 and I went on till 1982. And then I came back on 2013 and I've celebrated uh, 10 years in November 
of 2022. Excuse me, I came back at 20 in 2012. So I had 10 years in uh, 2022 in November. So it's really, it's an exciting adventure being on radio and talking about women's spaces. You know, if there's a woman out there, you know, might be interested in doing radio, might be interested in being trained. You know, I'm getting a little bit older and my hope is that one day I'm going to find myself a replacement. I know I'm hard to replace, but that's okay. I know I can be replaced. Nobody, nobody is irreplaceable. You know, we can all always find somebody to fill our shoes. And oftentimes when they fill our shoes, they even do a better job than we do. So if there's any woman out there that might be interested in being trained for radio, please uh, email me at E-L-A-I-N-E-B as in, as in beautiful, H-O-L-T-Z at gmail.com. That's Elaine B. Holt at G- gmail.com. Well, as we do every Monday morning, we do our History is Our Strength segment. Now, I know I must sound like a broken record. Actually, in the evening time when we're on the air, I follow a show called Broken Record. And Broken Record means you keep repeating a lot of the things over and over again. Well, as I always say, the reason it's important to understand our history, particularly for women, you know, we've been put under the bus too long, you know, when you start thinking about it. And the idea of doing our history as our strength is to let you know what other women have done and the soldiers that you are standing on. I mean, today we're we're going to be interviewing someone from NAACP and a woman by the name of Ida B. Wells, a strong African-American woman who did so much for her people, who brought the problem of lynching forward, was the one who actually was one of the founders of that organization. So it's got a long history, not only a long history of an organization, but a long history of activism and trying to bring certain issues to the forefront, which we're going to be talking about. So let's go ahead. Let's go look at some birthdays. We have some really interesting birthdays. Uh, she was born July 27, 1891. Mike, can you imagine being born in 1891? I mean, women women were second-rate citizens. I mean, they were actually considered property, if you can believe that. Uh, Myrtle Lawrence, she was a sharecropper and labor organizer, and she worked within biracial Southern Tenant Farmers Union from 1936 to 1943, and she was honored on the 1976 Bicentennial Freedom Train exhibition. Here's a woman you know, the the tenants, these were trying to get farm workers and people who worked in the field to, to get decent wages, a decent place to, to stay and to live. And this woman stand, stood up for all that. Very one of my favorite people. If you've seen, uh, watch uh, Iron Jawed Angels, the movie, uh, you'll find all about uh, Lucy Burns. She was born July 28, 1879, and she made her transition in 1966. Oh my goodness, she was around in 19, till 1966. Amazing woman. Lucy Burns was a suffragist. She formed the National Women's Party with Alice Paul, picketed the White House for women's suffrage, and she was arrested six times. Can you imagine, you know, when you watch Iron Jawed Angels and you see what these, these women went through, it was just, it was an amazing, you know, they have, lound, they have laid the groundwork for us. You know, I would not be on the radio if it wasn't for many, many of these women. I mean, just when you start thinking how many women are in Congress, how many women are in the Senate, how many women are on boards, boards of supervisors, city councils, you name it, on and on and on. Hey, before 1920, we couldn't even vote. Before 1970, we never even get a credit card. And now we have so many women infiltrating so many different areas. It's so important 
that they recognize whose shoulders they're standing on, the sacrifices that people made, you know, going into very dangerous situations to get the word out to say this is not right, this is, this is unconstitutional, this is brutal. I mean, women took some great, great chances, especially the women who were trying to get the vote. And honestly, and the separation of women at that time was horrendous, you know, because politically everybody is put into a little box, you know, you got to go this way, you got to go that way. All women should have been given the right to vote at that time. But in 1920, when we got the right to vote, it excluded black women, excluded women of color. But because we got together with the civil rights movement and pulled each other, came together as a body of people, of human beings who believe in freedom and the rights of all, we were able to change that. And here we are in 2023. They want to take all that away from us. They want to push us back. You know, somebody was telling me they want to push us back to before the 1950s, actually before before Roosevelt came in. And I got to tell you a secret. You know, I'll never forget. I had a friend of mine that was at the county hospital, and I'll never forget that experience. I mean, we have we have a pretty good system, even though even though it's not equal at this time. And that should be the fight to make sure it's equal to all people. We still have uh, situations and programs in place that are far better than they've been in the past, and we need to really work hard. To to uh, to uh, to preserve that actually. Well, I want to tell you just a little bit about the the National Women's Party. It was an outgrowth of the Congressional Union for Women's Suffrage, which had been formed in 1913. Now, this is 1937. This was another wave of uh, of uh, the women's rights. You know, when Alice Paul and Lucy Burns came on, it was kind of they were the new they were the new guard. And it was a very interesting when you watch <laughs> when you watch Iron Jawed Angels, you see the struggle. You the struggle for the young to overcome the old, so to speak, the old ways because the young people seem to always be introducing new things and there's always that resistance. And that's what happened in 1913 when Alice Paul and Lucy Burns began to fight for women's suffrage. You know, in 1938, Alice founded the world's, <coughs> excuse me, the world's women's party. I didn't even know they had a women's party. And I think that's what we need. We need a women's party, not necessarily that it's going to be like a third party, but a party that actually evaluates. I can't help but go back to the, the Iroquois uh, when in, during the Continental Congress when they were our country was trying to write the Constitution. Benjamin Franklin invited the Iroquois chiefs to their meeting. And what happened, the first question they asked, what do you think? Where's the women? Why aren't there any women represented here? In the Iroquois nation, the women's were the ones who decided who their chiefs were. The women's were the ones who decided whether they're going to go to war or not. I mean, we are the ones who bring forward the birth. We bring forward the children. We bring forward those chiefs. You know, we should have some say. You know, and then the National Women's Party had organized pickets of the White House for six. Can you just visualize this? Six days a week, these women coming out, being harassed, being called names, you know, go home, you know, you got to take care of your kids and all that. It was really, really crazy. Well, there's a lot to think about, you know, in all kinds of weather they were out. And in January, with January 10th, 1917, the silent centennials, they were known, showed up each day by holding banners demanding the right to vote for American women. You know, it's very interesting in our Declaration of Independence, what we said is we wanted liberty and justice for all. 
And people, all men are created equal. You know, you notice all men, all men and women are created, all people are created equal. And it's taken a long time for us to get this far. And we really have to be careful, ladies. We have to be real careful. Well, the last person I want to acknowledge, it's very, very important to me. She was born July 29th in 1896, and she made it to 1996. And that was Maria Rebecca Latico de Fernandez. And she was born, like I said, July 29th, 1896, and made her transition uh, in, in uh, January of 1986. Amazing woman. She was a Mexican-American rights activist. She was born in San Pedro, Gazara, Mexico. During the 1930s, she spoke publicity publicly and demonstrated on behalf of the Mexican-Americans about their education in the United States. Can you imagine this woman standing up? You know, and here she is in the 1930s. We barely just got the vote. You know, and she's standing up because she wants to make sure that her people are educated. Very, very important. And, you know, that's a right when you start thinking about it. When you live in a democracy, you have to have an educated population. You have to understand who you're voting for, what you're voting for, why you're voting for it. You know, today, the way we have it, you know, we listen to these commercials. You know, I always ask the question when I see a commercial on these ads about voting, who are you going to vote for? I say, hmm, wonder who's putting that money out there you know who is the one that's supporting that these are very important questions to ask ourselves you know there's some kind of you know a lot of sneaky things going on and i think that when we start talking about the naacp and some of the things that they're doing you're going to see a lot of it has to do around the importance of the rights to vote to make sure that people have the rights to vote to make sure that people have a right and they know where to go to vote very very interesting well, that's a lot. Excuse me. Excuse me. My goodness. Well, we, there's a lot to think about, but I like to think that that's what Women's Spaces is all about. So we're going to take a musical break right now, Ken, and the song we were playing is a human rights sung by Marcia Griffiths. I, I, I was really surprised when I found this call, this, uh, this song, and I was just... I was just really, really, really amazed by it. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. It really talks about uh, human rights. Well... We're going to take a musical break, and when we return, I will be talking to Kirsten Lang from the National Organization ANAACP here in Sonoma County, and we'll be talking about its missions, its goals, its challenge, and, of course, its long, vital history in this country. So let's go ahead, Ken. Let's play that song.
know, there's one line, one line that really stuck out at me this morning. I mean, when I heard this song, this is a song I just found. It's a new song. Human Rights, Broken Promise. For some reason, Martin Luther King's words have been with me for the last several weeks now. All we're asking of America is to live up to your promise. You know, and if you read the Declaration of Human Rights, you'll understand that promise. You'll understand what the, what our forefathers were trying to go after and also our Declaration of Human Rights, which is very, very important. And we never – we haven't still – we still haven't quite lived up to that promise, you know. And sometimes I feel we're going a little backwards. We need to look at it that way. Well, for you folks just joining, I want to remind my listeners uh, the opinions expressed here are not necessary. The opinion of the station, its board of directors, its members, and women's spaces. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Faces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holt. And joining me in the studio this morning is Kirsten Lang, the chair of the NAACP here in Sonoma County. Welcome, Kirsten. Welcome to Women's Faces. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's just an honor here. And before we begin, I want to tell my folks a little bit about you. And I have to make a confession. When I read your your uh, your bio, I just went, oh, my goodness. But I had to shorten it a little bit. So if I left anything out, I want you to just let me know. So, Kirsten. Kirsten is a native of San Diego, so she grew up by the beach like we did in San We grew up by Santa Monica Beach. And she served on the San Diego City Council's 4th District Youth Advisory Board, YAB, to help curb the rampant gang, gang violence. She also served on the Mills College Intersectional Anti-Racism Team as an alumni perspective and expert in the field. Amazing resume. Kirsten has a bachelor's degree in public policy from Mills College, where she then served as a Mills College Board of Governors, advocating for current student programs, recent graduate programs, initiatives to foster accessibility to Oakland natives and the alumni of color communities. Uh, Kirsten has received her master's degree in public administration with an, in, an emphasis in nonprofit management from Sonoma State. Well, that's just amazing. That's a very impressive interview. Uh, bio and I still have just a little bit more and she was a founding board member of the Sonoma County Iolero CAC advocating for safer policing as she, uh, sheriff oversight to help improve policies. She is presently the chair of the Sonoma County NAACP and anything else you'd like to add Kirsten you'd like our, our listeners to know about you? Uh, sure. I'm a long time learner and advocate for access to education, social justice and civil rights. Well I'm with you and you know we're both we share something because we're both alumni from Sonoma State. Yes. And also worked very hard with advocacy, you know, really found ourselves involved. So I really thank you for this. It's quite quite a resume. Well let's let's start up. You know, one of the things is where this is women's spaces and the idea behind women's spaces is tell tell women about women <laughs> and what they've done and how they do it. So the first question is and what was so impressive to me about your your interview your uh, resume, what made me so curious is talk about your early beginnings and what both inspired and motivated you and where did you get the confidence, you know, where did you get that confidence to speak about these critical issues and di- around diversity, equity, and inclusion? Yes, I can say earlier on, you know, my first recollection, recollection of standing up for myself was in kindergarten at a classmate who didn't like to play with me on the monkey bars, called me a monkey, and told me to go back to Africa. 
And I remember my grandfather picked me up from school and he asked, you know, why I was in such a somber mood and really coached me all the way back home on the ways in which I needed to recognize that this would not be the last time I would hear those words from maybe a peer or an adult, but that it would be the stepping stone to continue to speak up for myself and to advocate for myself. And so he walked me through how to address it when when it would happen again. Not should, but when, because it did. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that because when I was in kindergarten, they wrote in my report card, you should understand that children should be seen and not heard. I mean, just all these things from childhood. What a blessing that you had a grandfather that said, hey, listen, this is not going to be the first time. This is not going to be the last time. Right. You know, you better toughen up. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly because I know for myself when I went to when I was in Hollenbeck Junior High School, I was one of six Jews. Mm-hmm. So I know what that feels like, you know, even though I didn't have the color issue. I still had the religious issue, and there's still that feeling that, you know, you're different, yes. and you have to really be strong. Yes. Well, where did, besides your grandfather, you know, where, where, where were some of the women, maybe, that inspired mm-hmm. you in, in your in your travels as you moved into your adulthood? Yes, well, certainly modeled by uh, my grandmother and my mother as well, and a slew of aunties that have really nurtured me as a person and being, because from that moment forward in kindergarten, I definitely decided I was going to stand firm with my shoulders and head held high. And along the way, they really all modeled what it looks like to stand up for yourself, to be um, vocal about what your needs are. And I watched both of my parents and my mom especially, you know, take the time off of work during a time in the 90s where that was frowned upon for women to leave their job to care for their children. But she was committed to ensuring that I knew and saw her standing up for me when I experienced challenges in schools or teachers and administrators that didn't want to recognize my my strengths and my gifts and ensuring that I had access to those classrooms to nurture those strengths and gifts. And it really was um, that collective, you know, unit of women that helped me understand that beyond the challenges I was going to endure in the world, it was them who taught me how to nurture myself along the way and how to develop positive relationships with women to help me embody that. And really watching um, that go, that that energy and gusto really inspired me to continue to become the person that I am today. Amazing. It's an amazing story. And the most important thing really is the idea of support. You know, mm-hmm. oftentimes, oftentimes you will hear parents Uh, encouraging their kids to fit in or, you know, try to get along or try to do things rather than say, no, you know, if you're not treated, if you're being bullied, this is how you stand up. This is how you report people or whatever's going on. And that that's a, a huge lesson to learn. And I think it's important, you know, that that's another thing about women. You know, we, we not only give birth to children, but you're talking about your mother, your grandmother, your auntie. I mean, these are all women who came, who gave birth to you on, and are responsible for you on some levels, and they gave you that courage. So what's your mom's name? Is Yvonne. She still, is yes. she still around? Yes. Well, hi, Yvonne. <laughs> Just in case you're listening to, you did a great job with this beautiful daughter of yours. Well, let's go into the NAACP, you know. Like, when did you first hear about it? You know, how did in your young life or your school life, how did it impact you? And what did you find important about it in your reading and your discovery as a young person? Sure. So from that moment earlier on, that's when both of my grandparents on both sides sat me down and 
educated me about, you know, their experience living through the civil rights movement and the ways in which the NAACP and other key lead organizations um, helped educate them on how to understand their rights and moving forward. And so in the back of my mind, for every project I ever did, I was that one kiddo who always found a way to inculcate that into my work before I fully under, understood what I was doing. And when I got to about the eighth or ninth grade, there was, of course, as mentioned in my bio, a huge shift of violence in the community that I grew up in. And at the time, uh, an, uh, a council member was elected. His name was uh, Charles Lewis. Um, he stepped up, came back to the community, ran for city council for our district, District 4, and committed himself to ensuring that we as young people had the resources to understand how to navigate the times we were living through. And Tiffany Harrison was the youth leader for the youth council for the San Diego NACP branch. And so she joined in these meetings and brought in myself, my friends, leaders from across athletics, campus clubs at the two rival high schools within our district where a lot of the issues were rooted and they brought us together they paid for our memberships to become youth members of the NAACP branch in South San Diego and also worked with us to teach us how to be in the same room how to have difficult conversations and how to recognize that some of that peer pressure that comes with making decisions to either join gangs or be affiliated was not really going to be the ways in which we were going to elevate ourselves outside of our community. They taught us how to plan events. They taught us how to stand up for issues on our campuses to model that activism earlier on, that that jump for, for um, and curiosity in a way in which I'd never expected it to show up outside of a classroom. Well, you know, Kirsten, I got it confessed as you were talking I just you just have to teach classes on that because we're still having the same issues. We're having issues with young people of color in our community. It's yes. not, I mean, I was on the Human Rights Commission. I remember issue of uh, three issues coming up in front of us, and uh, uh, Demetra, I can't remember Demetra's last name, was very very involved in in going and looking and seeing that there was a, there were big holes in the education as how they were handling racism and bullies. Mm-hmm. You know, which is very important. I mean, there, and, and it's it sounds kind of simple in a way but yet the, the skills that you were taught at that moment are just amazing, especially to be able to stand up. You know, that's why we do the Women's Spaces Pledge. You know, we're trying to instill that little bit of confidence. So, and, you know, as women, you know, one of the things that, that I always say when people ask me who you are, I always say, I am a woman first. Mm-hmm. So as, because I, I, I hear it, I hear what you say, your grandmother, your aunties. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just amazes. I could say the same thing. My Auntie Dodo, she was very active in all kinds of organizations, and she said, only the students. Stupid or silent. That's what she, that's what, that was her. Only the stupid or silent. So anyway, I didn't want to be stupid. Well, talk a little bit about the NACP. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about its history. I noticed it. I have a little history thing right here, and it, according to my record here, it started in 1909 as an interracial. That to me was very interesting. Interracial endeavor to advance justice. So talk yes. a little bit about the history. Where what did where it began? How it began? Its purpose and maybe its mission. Yes, I think that earlier piece around the interracial collaborative effort is something that I think folks may not always recognize or affiliate with the organization because of the prioritization around um, ensuring equitable outcomes for black folks across the nation. But having had the 
privilege to attend the national conference, when you look around that convention center, it is a representation of that interracial, bicultural, multi-religious background, uh, folks coming together, fighting for a similar cause in their communities, right? We look at across the nation, there are over 2,000 branches. And in some places, black populations are smaller than what we see here in Sonoma County. But we watch and we see leader, non-black leaders stepping up in those areas to support and amplify the needs to celebrate and to fight for those rights and justice for black folks across this nation. And I believe that history has really been resounded to the current trends that we've seen to date. And more importantly, in the last couple of years, has really been an emphasis on the multi-intergenerational uh, uh, needs for organizations to sustain, right? So that leaders who've been fighting the good fight for a really long time are cultivating their uh, the folks that are coming up behind them so that when those branch leaders decide to sit down and rest and provide guidance, mentorship, and support in historical context, that there's somebody right behind them to carry that torch forward and to ensure that branches don't fold at the uh, change of guard and leadership and to really help impart upon a number of our nation's leaders to prepare for that. We can't lead everything forever. I, in my own stance, at a humble 33 years old, recognize I won't be doing this forever, but for now, I'm going to find every young person, especially young women in this community who are interested and have a curiosity and to foster space for that to grow because I want to step aside and allow for them to lead for the generation that they will uh, carry out. Well, you're, you're, ter- you're taking the, cor- the torch for your mother and your grandmother and your aunties. I mean, that's, I mean, these are the, these are the women we're standing on. You yes. know, these are the women that says you can, not you can't. Right. You know, I remember when I was ill and I had a challenge and my daughter made one, one remark to me. She says, we don't listen to the word can't anymore, Mom. You can. Mm-hmm. And I believe we can once we put our mind together, once we organize, once we realize that we're not alone in our, in our thinking, that there are many of us that want us to come together. I mean, I was thinking the other night, I was sitting in front of my, uh, watching this TV show, and suddenly I said to myself, my God, we're children of the earth. This is our mother. You know, we're all, re- we are all relatives. And I found it when I read about the history of the NAACP and I felt, I saw that they were focusing on interracial, that it, here is an oppressed body of people who are saying we want to come together because we realize nothing's going to move if we don't come together as a family of humanity. <laughs> it's very, in, very important. Well, how did you get involved in that? I mean, all of a sudden here you are. First there was, there was, there was an NAACP in, in Sonoma County. Then there was no NAACP in Sonoma County, and then there was an NAACP. I remember Segreta called me, mm-hmm. and she said, you know, you gotta, we got to have membership. And I said, well, I'll join. I'm on board, whatever whatever it takes. And now here you are, president. So how did, how did you get involved, and, and what is what are one of your key goals? Yes, so over the years and every place I've lived in, I've been a part of a branch community because I feel like it's important to understand the key issues as it both informs my steps and recognizing how I can continue to show up in community with folks. And I've lived in Sonoma County for about 11 years now. And when I first came, I had the same point you raised, where is the branch? And it took a while to understand how to get connected and who to connect to, but I too received um, some outreach from both Demetra and Sagretta saying, hey, would you be interested in becoming a member? Uh, this is the time is now, and this was prior to what we all learned about what happened in uh, May 2020 at the unfortunate murder of George Floyd, but it was certainly that time 
a bit a few weeks prior that really reminded me I live here I'm committed to this work let's get to work and that you know outreach by those two influential women that I've had the opportunity to get to know and work closely with was really important for me that personal invitation that encouragement to see myself being a part of this community and having an impact was was huge and really being able to follow the lead um, after Segreta was elected president and learn from her understand the history of the branch and the ways in which you know we take the key pillars that are laid out by the national organization and we apply them to the work that we do here locally that's economic development that's housing that's educational attainment and access for our youth and young adults this is ensuring that you know our unsheltered community members are being treated with dignity and respect by all of the entities and systems that unfortunately continue to fail them and harm them this is ensuring that we maintain open lines of communications with as many elected officials that let us have that as well. Well, you know, it's interesting when you mentioned George Floyd, because the minute I hear that name, all of a sudden the vision of really that was an incident that really showed us on television the depths of our racism, the yes. deep depths, and also certain people coming forward and justifying it all of a sudden, trying to protect it was amazing. But again, people coming together. So we're going to take a break right now, and uh, when we come back, I will continue my conversation with Kirsten of the NAA. ACP, and we're going to talk at, at, at the next part. We're going to talk some of the challenges they're meeting, and how people can belong, and how how all of us out there can actually support this effort. You know, I love that when she says young women. Young women are very, very important. And you know, as I was reading about the the NAACP, its history and its goals and its mission, I, I the song that came to me was Mayo Angelou's Human Family. I mean, all of a sudden, I really, that song suddenly had more meaning to me when I looked at this organization. Because I think that is that what their goal is, to get people to understand that we are all part of a human family. And, you know, my feeling is stop, take a time out. You know, take a time out and start looking at yourself. You know, it's just I, I really don't I really don't believe that violence and hate are gonna win out. I, I'm my friend Susan Lamont calls me a little bit of a Pollyanna. But you know something, that's what keeps me alive is I have some hope. I have some hope when I assist you and I, I sit across and talk to you about all these things that you're doing. So we're gonna take a break. We're gonna listen to uh, Mayo Angelus. I was she was such a powerful woman and I really identify with her because some of our back Backgrounds and some of our things that we've done in life. I was telling, I was telling uh, Kirsten. I I wrote her a, a, a professional letter. Hi, sweetie. <laughs> and I said to myself, My God, Elaine, you know you're not a cocktail waitress anymore. Anyway, <laughs> we're going to play the Human Family uh, sung and written by Mayo Angelo. And when we return, we will continue our conversation with Kirsten Lang, the chairman of the Sonoma County National Association for Colored People, NAACP. Let's go ahead, Ken. It is time for the preachers, the rabbis, the priests, pundits, and the professors to believe in the awesome wonder of diversity. It is time for parents to teach young people early on that in diversity there is beauty and there is strength. I note the obvious differences in the human family. Some of us are serious. Some thrive on comedy. Some declare their lives are lived at true profundity. And others say they really live the real reality. The variety of our skin tone. 
the seven seas and stopped in every land. I've seen the wonders of the world, not yet one common man. I know 10,000 women called Jane and Mary Jane. I've not seen any two who really were the same. Mirror twins are different, although their features jive. And lovers think quite different thoughts while lying side by side. We love and lose in China. We weep on England's moors. We laugh and moan in Guinea and thrive on Spanish shores. We seek success in Finland, are born and die in Maine. In minor ways we differ, in major is the same. I know the obvious differences between each sort and type, but we are more alike, my friend, than we are unalike. We are more alike, my friend, than we are unalike. We are more alike, my friend, than we are unalike. Our young must be taught that racial peculiarities do exist, but that beneath the skin, beyond the differing features, and into the true heart of being, Fundamentally, we are more alike, my friend, than we are unalike. We all should know that diversity makes for a rich tapestry, and we must understand that all the threads of the tapestry are equal in value, no matter their color, equal in importance, no matter their texture. It's so interesting, he says, we are more the same more alike, more like each other. You know, I, I all of a sudden, I think we all come through a mother. That's that's one thing we have in common. The second thing is we all make a transition. I mean, I'm 83 years old. I'd say, thank you, God, for another day, you know, because I'm going to make a transition, you know, and in between, we're doing all these other things, you know. We're falling in love. We're mad at our mother or whatever's going on, but we're all alike. You know, we, we, may, we may look a little bit different, and what's so interesting, if you look at human beings, none of us look alike. We all have the same features, like two eyes, a nose, a mouth, and height, and all that. But we really were so diverse. I mean, if we could just appreciate it. I mean, we appreciate the flowers in the in the valley, all the different kinds and shapes and everything. Why can't we appreciate each other? Well, welcome back. You're listening to uh, Women's Spaces, and I have the honor this morning of sitting across the table with Kirsten Lang, the chair of the Sonoma County NAACP. And now we're going to talk about some of the challenges that the NAACP here in Sonoma County and in Northern California are having. So what are some of the challenges, Kirsten? What are some of the things that you're really passionate about and would like to see change? Well, I would like to certainly see the community and our elected officials really take the data from the Portrait of Sonoma that we've been emphasizing emphasizing and elevating, excuse me, for the last two and a half years and really work collaboratively with us to address the issues that are impacting, more importantly, black community members and indigenous community members. That portrait previously did not count black or indigenous residents because they were considered, you know, quote, statistically insignificant. And I quote, and that wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Statistically insignificant. insignificant. We're talking about people wow. who were not accounted for in their quality of life, lived outcomes, and projections for the future because a data analyst, analyst and a team of people who had to approve that stance allowed that to be. So when we fought really hard in 2020 through that census collection and data collection, we were very serious ensuring that we were not only counted and included, but ensured that in all areas where practicable, black folks were going to be assessed just like everyone else 
who is a resident in this community. And just that stance alone speaks to the issues because people feel the population is small. It's easy to dismiss. But to me, that's more of a reason to prove why it matters most to investigate why that attitude is so um, such a complacent stance to come from. I cannot believe that you said that. Yes. I mean, I I, did, I never heard that one. I mean, yes. that to, the idea of here in 2023, you know, there's that old thing, we've come a long way, baby. I think we should think about how long we've come, how what, what way we've gone, because... That to me is that that is such an insult. Oh, it was a complete insult, yes. and especially being on a Zoom with, I believe there were about a hundred folks and eleven of us black women, advocating to be seen and counted and told we didn't matter. But when you break down that number, that two percent of the population is ten thousand people. That is the size of the city of Sebastopol, and that is the size of the city of Katadi. So in turn, when decisions get made, you think those city leaders wouldn't have something to say if they were told their cities were statistically insignificant? Of course not. They are brought to the table with a seat and allowed and afforded the opportunity to make decisions that impact the people that they were elected to serve. And that is the same thing we're pushing for. We were elected by the body of our members to serve as leaders of this organization. And I am committed to ensuring that for wherever I can make an imprint, we will be heard and we will not be forgotten in this community. But one thing, Kirsten, that is so important that we must recognize, we live in a country where you can get together and you can complain, and this is what they are fighting to take away from us. Mm -hmm. People don't recognize that. They don't recognize what a privilege it is in any country to be able to stand up. That that was one of the, the founding principles of our country, that we had freedom of speech, that we had the right to speak to our government when they were in error. Yes. And that was an error, and you had a right to speak out. And this is what all of a sudden the police and everything come out to stop. No, this is what the whole promise is. You know, I go back again to Martin Luther King. <laughs> you know, when I when I read this thing, on the all of a sudden, after what, I'm 83, I read it in high school when I was like 16, when I read the dec- when I read the Declaration of Independence, and I uh, in my mind he came and said, "All we're asking America is to live up to their promise, mm-hmm. and that's liberty and, and and you know justice for all. I mean, right. not just one privileged class. So it's very I'm I'm really I'm kind of blown away by that statistical insignificant. I mean that that to me is such a I feel insulted as yeah. a woman. You but know? it highlights the level of. That highlights the baseline level for which government locally has been operating from. Not significant or relevant enough to think about or to tune into the issues. We look at, for example, the national conversation around black women's birthing experience and fighting for justice. So we turn here to our county health department. They haven't been collecting the data. Guess what the root is? The statistical insignificance. Right. So when we look at the ways that some of these national conversations that are happening and taking place aren't even applicable to our community because no one's cared enough to pull out the data and to look at it. But what bit has been captured highlights alarming differences. The HEI score, which is the Human Development Index score, which are a number of factors based on quality of life, educational attainment, socioeconomic status, is lower here in Sonoma County than it is across the national average. Sonoma County's rate is about 3.99 compared to the national average of above four points, right? And when you look at the lifespan, black residents in Sonoma County live 10 years less than any other racial racial or ethnic, ethnic group in this county at about 71 years old. So that is 
highlighting a systemic issue that yet no one has wanted to touch with a 10-foot pole. Well, well, they're touching it now. (laughs) If I can do anything else, it will be to go on, on and on and on about ensuring that those things are shared. Well, I think it's very important, you know, because people don't realize, you know, I mean, when you look at Nazi Germany and you look at the Holocaust, Mm -hmm. those people in Germany in the Nazi, in the concentration camp, some of them were very wealthy people that had status, were movie stars, were piano players. And yet, because they were Jews, they were thrown into a camp. Mm -hmm. That's why stuff like this is so... It's it's not just sensitive for black people. We have to look at what you're going to do to one. You can do to anybody. Correct. You know, and that you know, it's just same thing with the internment camp with the Japanese. I mean, that was that was the one of the biggest mistakes in our country. Mm-hmm. And why is it a mistake? Well, first of all, what it did for me was I thought, oh my God, if they can do it here, I mean, all of a sudden they say, well, women, uh, maybe women with green eyes are not going to be acceptable anymore. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden we have a green eye camp. I mean, I mean, it sounds kind of stupid, but that's just kind of the way it happened. So I really appreciate for you sharing that and I think it's very important that our listeners understand this and also look at it from the perspective we are not complaining this is not a complaint this is a call for equality this is a call for fairness this is a call for justice it's not a complaint you know and that's another thing they put on women oh what are you complaining about why can't you accept this you know no no we have to stand up because we're not only standing up for ourselves Mm -hmm. we're standing up for the future of our children right you know, and our ch- and especially in today's world when we're becoming so integrated. Right. I mean, we are becoming integrated. So it, there's a new level of prejudice that can happen and that we have to be careful. Well, we are coming to the end of our segment. It's just so much fun having you here and listening to you. And it just gives me so much hope, Kirsten. I mean, yes. I really, I really, I really mean that. Not to flatter you, but just from <laughs> a woman to woman to tell you that, you, you know, you're the type of woman we're, we're waiting for. You know, the woman who's willing to stand up and say, you know, there's got to be more justice in this world. And I really appreciate that. Well, we're coming to the end of this segment. Any events? How can people get a hold of you? Anything that anything that you would like to add? Sure. I think one of the key uh, pieces of this is how folks can get involved. I say this at any place I go, and I'll share this with you today and all of your listeners. Become a member, but don't just sign up and pay your $30 fee. Become an active member. All of our work that's done is done through committee. We have about 11 committees that get together. They meet once or twice a month. They set their priorities and goals, and each person that's a member of that committee takes care of the work. I have the honor and privilege to be able to share that out more publicly as I represent the branch as its president. But the work that our committee leaders and our executive uh, leadership team have been putting together has been phenomenal, and the ways in which you know folks are joining forces and getting behind the the leadership of black women and black community members is really what it takes to help address these issues. I know a lot of folks who are listening and are of the stance, I fight for all people, but don't just do it independently. Fight with us and for us because that intersectional foundation of this organization is what has allowed it to last this long. Amazing. Are there any events coming up or your website? Give us your website. Yes, our website is naacpsantarosasonoma.org. There will be a couple of events we'll be sharing out that will begin through the fall and into next year. Uh, this week, a group of us are heading to the national uh, convention, which will be held in Boston, and that will help inform how we 
curate the remainder of these events and programs as that is our plenary and governmental session to set the charge for the next year forward. Well, Kirsten Lang, I want to thank you so much for being on Women's Faces. You've been a wonderful guest, and thank you for all the work that you're doing. And I encourage people to look into it. You know, there's all kinds of ways we can get involved. You know, one of the ways is to, to at least become a member. You know, put your name on the list so people yeah. know there's a body of people that are really that are really there. You know, support that. And it's very important. If you have the funds out there, there's a friend of mine that I know very well that supports this program. And I, I always say to her, she has resources. She has money. She has position. She can she can support what she believes in, and that's a very very important. Anyway, you've been listening to Women's Spaces. That's it for our show. A special thank you to Kirsten Lang, chair of the Sonoma County NAACP, for all that they're doing. I really appreciated her being on. It's just amazing, women. I mean, women. We've got to stand together. We've got to take hands and say we are one with one another. A reminder: Tell your friends. Women's Spaces will be aired again this evening at eleven o'clock. I get so excited. I get to listen to my program. It's just it's just amazing. Also, I want you to know that I'm available for speaking engagements. And if you have any announcements like, you know, a birthday or a wedding or something that you want, you know, you want to hear your name on the air, please email me at ElaineBholt at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our archives, www.womenspaces.com. We've got all kinds of programs on there. Next week, I'm really excited. I'm going to have Laura Wells on from the Green Party. We're going to talk about all the different third parties in the United States and why they can't get on the ballot and all that good information. Anyway, this is Elaine B. Holtz. You've been listening to Women's Spaces. And as as I say every week, our children are the future. We must never lose sight of that. And as women, we bring forward the future, and therefore we must stand up for it. Each child is a gift I mean, when I was at the when I was at the KBBF event last yesterday, and I saw all those beautiful children, I said, "Oh my God, we've got to fight for their future." Thank you so much for listening to Women's Faces, and please go to www.womenspaces.com. All the shows are archived, and I want to wish you a wonderful, wonderful day. Oh, we got a few more seconds. I see here. Well, I'm going to wish you a wonderful day again, and I want to thank Kirsten Lang again for being on here, and I want to congratulate everybody out there that's enjoying activism because it takes it just takes one person that can change the world. And who is sure to give you courage? And who will surely make Take you home now The woman in your life She can wait so easily She knows everything you do Because the woman in your life is you Because the woman in your life The woman in your life The woman in your life Is you
The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, July 24th, 2023.